Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Praise God. Father, we thank you for this morning and what you're going to do in our lives tonight. In Jesus' mighty name. First Samuel chapter 20, verses 1. And David fled from Nairoth in Ramah and came and said before Jonathan, What have I done? What is mine iniquity? And what is my sin before thy father that he seeketh my life? And he said unto him, God forbid, thou shalt not die. Behold, my father will do nothing, either great or small, but that he will show it me. And why should my father hide this thing from me? It is not so. And David swore moreover and said, Thy father certainly knoweth that I have found favor, 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 underline that, in favor of grace in thine eyes. Some versions use grace or favor. And he says, Let not Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved, but truly as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, there is but a step between me and death. And Jonathan said unto David, Whatsoever thy soul desireth, I will even do it for thee. And David said unto Jonathan, Behold, tomorrow is the new moon. I should not fail to sit with the king at meat. But let me go that I may hide myself in the field unto the third day at even. Praise God. And if thy father at all miss me, then say, David honestly asked, Leave of me that he might run to Bethlehem, his city. For there is a yearly sacrifice thereof for all the family. If he say thus, it is well, thy servant shall have peace. But if he be very wroth, then be sure that evil is determined by him. Therefore, thou shalt deal kindly with thy servant. For thou hast brought thy servant into a covenant of the Lord with thee. Notwithstanding, if there be in me iniquity, slay me thyself. For why shouldest thou... Bring me to thy father. And Jonathan said, Far be it from me, for if I knew suddenly that evil were determined by my father to come upon thee, then would not I tell thee? Then said David to Jonathan, Who shall tell me? Or what if thy father answer thee roughly? And Jonathan said unto David, Come, and let us go into the field. And went out both them in the field. And Jonathan said unto David, O Lord God of Israel, when I have sounded my father about tomorrow, any time, or third day, and behold, if there be good toward David, then I send not unto thee, and show it thee. The Lord do so much more to Jonathan, but if it please my father to do thee evil, then will I show it thee, and send thee away, that thou mayst go in peace, and the Lord be with thee, as he has been with my father. And thou shalt not only while yet I live show me the kindness of the Lord, that I die not, also, that thou shalt not cut off thy kindness from my house forever, nor not when the Lord has cut off the enemies of David, everyone from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, Let the Lord even inquire it at the hand of David's enemies. 
Jonathan caused David to swear again because he loved him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. Jonathan said to David, Tomorrow is the new moon, and thou shalt be missed, because thy seat will be empty. And when thou hast stayed three days, when thou shalt go down quickly and come to the place where thou didst hide thyself, when the business was in hand and shall remain by the stone of Ezel, and I will shoot three arrows on the side thereof as thou shoot at a mark. And behold, I will send a lad, saying, Go find out the arrows. If I expressly say unto the lad, Behold, the arrows are on this side of thee, take them, and then thou come thou, for there is peace to thee, and no heart as the Lord liveth. But if I say thus unto the young man, Behold, the arrows are beyond thee, go thy way, for the Lord hath sent thee away, and as touching the matter which thou and I have spoken of, behold, the Lord be between thee and me forever. So David hid himself hmm, in the field, and when the new moon was come, the king sat at meat. Indeed, the, seat, the king sat upon the seat as other times, even unto the seat of the wall. Jonathan arose and everything. Verse 26 says, Nevertheless, Saul spake not anything that day, for he thought something had befallen David. He is not clean, surely he is not. And it came to pass on the next day, which was the second day of the moon, that David's place was empty, and Saul said unto Jonathan his son, Wherefore cometh not the son of Jesse to meet, neither yesterday nor today? And Jonathan answered, Saul, David earnestly asked to leave me to go to be this family. And verse 30, then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan, and he said, Thou son of the perverse, rebellious woman, do not I know that thou hast chosen the son of Jesse to thine own confusion and to the confusion of thy mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse liveth upon the ground, thou shalt not be established, nor thy kingdom. Wherefore now send and fetch him unto me, for he shall surely die. And Jonathan answered his father and said, Wherefore shall he be slain? What has he done? And Saul cast a javelin at him to smite him, whereby Jonathan knew that it was determined of his father to slay David. Somebody shout, Hallelujah. Verses 35, and it came to pass in the morning that Jonathan went out into the field at the time appointed with David, a little lad with him, and he said unto the lad, run, find out now the arrows that I shoot. And as he, the lad ran, he shot the arrows beyond him. And when the lad was come to the place of the arrow which Jonathan had shot, Jonathan cried after the lad and said, is not the arrow beyond thee? And Jonathan cried after the lad, make speed, hey, stay not. And Jonathan's lad gathered up the arrows and came to the master. But the lad knew not anything. Only Jonathan and David knew the matter. And Jonathan gave his artillery unto the lad and said, Go carry them to the city. And as soon as the lad was gone, David arose out of a place towards the south and fell on his face to the ground, bowed himself three times, and they kissed one another, wept one another until David exceeded. And Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, for as much as he has sworn both us in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord be between me and thee, and between thy seed and, thy, and my seed and thy seed forever. And he arose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. Praise God. David, 1 Samuel chapter 20, is a setting where David is fleeing, or has started to see that Saul has stand against him. Why? Because he was favored. He had grace. There was something upon his life. Remember, when he goes for war and then he comes back and the scriptures tell us the women singing, David kills 10,000, Saul kills 1,000. The countenance of Saul changed that day and the Bible says he sought to kill him. And Saul had a son called Jonathan. For some reason, Jonathan always loved David. Jonathan 
was always on the side of David. Why? Because when he judged the matter, he did not find that David was at fault. So Jonathan chose to walk with the man because he knew that he was true. You understand? Of course, we live in a generation of people who can even side with evil ones. Okay? It happens. I've seen people side with wicked people. And they know that the wicked are doing wickedness. Because it's easy for you to, to judge a wicked man. It's against truth. It's against the law of love. It doesn't matter how angry or hard this man or woman is. Are they walking in line with scripture? Are they walking in line with truth? Are they pursuing the will of God pertaining the matter? Is there forgiveness in their heart? Is there a seeking of reconciliation in their heart? Or there's a seeking of destruction, of gossip and slander, of, of all manner of evil and wickedness in their heart. Maybe because they're offended or even because they're not offended. There are people that time who sided with Saul. It does not mean that because they sided with Saul, therefore, David was wrong. You understand what I'm saying? And it does not matter, again, what Saul thought about David because David had a calling on his life. You understand? If you live by the praises of men, their criticisms will kill you. You have to create a life where neither their praises or criticism do not give you life. Your life has to be from God. He's your creator. He's the beginning and the end. It should not matter. Praise God. Praise God somebody. One wonderful man, T.D. Jakes, gave a story once. He said he was walking the streets with a certain minister. And as they were walking, they find a man. And this man sees T.D. Jakes and he gets so shocked. And he starts shaking. Oh my God, I can't believe it. You understand? His body started to shake because he was star-stricken, I believe. Oh, man of God, I, I have, I'd never believed I would ever find you on the streets. Oh, let me shake your hand. Your summons have blessed me. You don't know where I've come from with the words that you have come out of your mouth. And then this man started trembling. And then, you know, T.D. Jakes says, glory be to God. And then, you know, he sees the man off in peace and joy. And then on the same street, Jakes says he finds another man. And the man looks at T.G. Jackson and tells him, how long will you people continue deceiving God's people? How long will you continue destroying men? How long will you continue manipulating people? How long will you continue doing things? How long will you do this? And how long will you do that? Well, we don't know where the man came from or where his anger came from, but the truth was that he confronted T.G. Jackson on the same street. And T.G. Jackson said, there were two men on the same street with two different opinions, but none moved me. You understand? Why? Because it is with God that you have reconciliation. It is with God that you have vindication. It is with God that you have justification. It is with God that, that you have understanding. Don't try to be understood every time. And don't feel so bad. Because the people around you or everybody around you does not understand you. Jesus was not understood, but he was the son of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. You don't need to be understood by everybody. You are on the path of failure and destruction. If you choose or feel that you have to please everybody. That's political. Paul says, if I was a pleaser of men, I would not please God. That means there is a place where if you choose to please all men at, at a particular point, you'll offend God. 
Because you see, God is not pleased with all men. Are you hearing me? God is not pleased with all men. He's not pleased with all men. Jesus went through it. Paul went through it. Apostle Grace went through it. You understand? David went through it. Eh? The prophets went through it. But the gospel is still alive. And they are still alive. Somebody shout hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, none of those things faze me. Yes, somebody shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah again. Now, we have a situation here. Saul has turned against David. Why has he turned against David? David is favored of the Lord. You understand? And Saul does not know how to handle success. There are people in our lives who cannot handle our success. Some people are your friends now because you're still broke. But the day something happens on your life, they'll change course against you. Hey, don't hold it on them. They just couldn't handle your success. They just couldn't handle the blessing of God upon your life. They just couldn't handle the favor that flows with you. And that is possible. And it will happen as long as you're going up. Not everybody celebrates when you park a nice car. Not everybody celebrates when you come in with a new shoe. Not everybody celebrates when you're doing signs, miracles, and wonders, when the sick are healed or, or salvation comes to men. No, don't think that everybody is your friend. He did not say that you'll not have enemies. No, he only said that when you walk with him, you'll have peace with your enemies, meaning they'll have nothing to do to you, even though they will want to. But there will be peace. God will put peace. It doesn't mean that the enemies will execute the peace. No. It only means that God will put peace between you and your enemies. In other words, no enemy wants to, to have peace with you. It's not there. You understand? But when the Bible says that he makes your enemy to be at peace, that means it's forceful. Your enemy does not have enough rational in the brain to say, you know what, let me have peace with this girl. Oh, no, no, let me, let me make up. No, no, no. Already there is wickedness. They are still enemies. They are not friends reconciled. No. There is still enmity within their spirit. That means they will hate you, but God will force them to have peace with you. He will put peace between you and them. Somebody shout hallelujah. So, we have a typical situation of our father David. And I read all the chapter because I wanted you to hear the whole story so we don't miss anything. In the previous chapters, we've started to see Saul starting to seek the life of David. Something is changing. Yes, here there are a few things that openly they might not be showing, but already Saul has changed way more than men can think. In fact, at one point, Jonathan thought, ah, no, no, it's just, and in, uh, uh, my father is just like that, you know. He did not believe how much Saul had gunned counsel against David. He had already begun. And guess what? David did not tell Jonathan, even though Jonathan was told almost everything. In fact, that's why when David comes and tells Jonathan, what have I done to your father? Why does he seek my life? Jonathan is like, but wait. My father does not hide anything from me. As far as I'm concerned, my father has nothing against you. Or if it was there, then he would have told me. David told him, no, 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 no. The issue is, your father has discovered that I have 
grace and favor with you. And so he told the guys who seek to destroy me, or he instructed, who he instructed to destroy me, to make sure that they do not inform you. You understand what I'm saying? And then David told Jonathan, let's agree on something. Let's put a test on this man. These coming few days are the days of the new moon celebration. And deliberately, for three days I'm going to go in hiding and not come to my usual place where I sit. If the king sees, if I'm not in my place, and he, he says nothing, he does not comment, he appears to understand, then he, surely he has nothing against me. But if the king should become wroth or become angry because I'm not in that place, then I want you to confirm the words that I'm telling you. You understand? But also there's a problem. How will I, David, know whether the king is annoyed or not? Jonathan gets him, and then they go to the field together. And he says, look, I'm going to make a covenant with you. You know how much I love you. You know how much I believe in you. We shall have peace between us. I know the Lord will be with you, and I know he will avenge the enemies of David. That is for certain. But when that time comes, remember my family and my own like I remember you, okay? Peace. Now, this is the agreement. I will be there. I'll first go and talk to my father and find out, does he have anything against you? I'll have sound with him, okay? If it is there, I'll tell it immediately. If it's not, then it's not. But most importantly, of course, when we go for the feasting, as usual, if he asks about you and there is peace with him and he doesn't have anything against your absence, then I'll notify you. But if he's also angry, I'll also what? Notify you. And let us agree. This is what I will do. After the moon celebration... I will go out with three arrows and I'll tell a lad to go against them and I'll shoot as one shooting a target. Are you understanding? And if I shoot and say to the gentleman, the arrow is near beside thee. For you who is in hiding, because I'll shoot in the direction where, in, in the area where you're so near to hear me speaking, right? And so he says, I'll shoot three times and behold, I'll send a lad saying, go find out the arrows. If I expressly say unto the lad, behold, the arrows are on this side of thee. Then come thou for there is peace to thee. Come out of the hiding because that, that will mean there is peace. If I say the arrows are this side of thee. But if I scream and say to the lad, continue, the arrows are beyond you. If I say they continue, the arrows are beyond you. Go thy way because that means it's a sign that there is no peace. The man seeks to kill you. But the lad who is doing it does not know. I imagine the state of this guy who's running is chasing arrow. <laughs> but, <he's, laughs> but he's being used as a medium of communication. So, it so happens. The days come. But you see, they had agreed with David and, and Jonathan, they had agreed that if the king asks, Jonathan will say, oh, he asked me for permission to go back to his family. They have a celebration. They have uh, a certain 
commitment of worship with the clan. So it was agreed. Praise God. Anyway, long and short, true to form as the story tells us, the first day, Saul looks where David is seated. He doesn't see him. Then he assumes maybe there is some wrong with him. He probably made some mistake and is unclean, so he has not come. He did not comment on anything that day. The second day, David's place was empty. The Bible says, Saul asks, where is this guy? And like they had agreed, Jonathan told him, you know, he asked for a family meeting. They have a sacrifice in the city of their home, so they have to do that sacrifice with the whole family. So I sent him to Bethlehem to go and be his family. And Saul's anger is kindled. He becomes so angry. He wants to kill David. He says, oh, and, and you know, there's something deep there because when he was reprimanding Jonathan, he called him the son of the perverse woman. You son of a whore. If you're a student of the word, study the relationship Saul had with Jonathan. It will amaze you why. It's important to understand the place of a father. How could you call your son the son of a whore? You son of a perverse woman. Perverse, rebellious woman. Read. Do go, go do some research and find out the mother of Jonathan. You'll, you'll know why. Saul is a foolish guy. Anyway, long and short, he aims his spear or javelin to kill Jonathan. That's when Jonathan knew that it was what? Serious. Now, the next day, you understand? The next day, New Living Translation. Uh -huh. Jonathan left the table in fears of anger and refused to eat on that second day and festival for he was crushed by his father's shameful behavior toward David. And the next morning, yeah, as agreed, Jonathan went out in the field and took a young boy with him to gather his arrows. Again, as true to form as the story tells us, start running, he told the boy, so you can find the arrows as I shoot them. So the boy ran and Jonathan shot at the arrows beyond him. And the boy had almost reached the arrow and Jonathan shouted, the arrow is still ahead of you. What was that saying to David? You're in trouble. You understand? Indeed, later, the young man brings the arrow. Jonathan gives the young man the arrow and the bow and everything, sets him going. David comes out of the thicket. They hug each other. They weep. And the Bible says David wept more. You understand? I know the pain. David was weeping because of two things. One, this is a man he loved. This is a man he served. This is a man he gave his life on the battlefront. This is a man for whom he gave victories for and gave glory and extended the kingdom of when the Philistines almost destroyed. You understand what I'm saying? Through Goliath. This is a man he had given his life. This is a man who he had risked his life for. But number two also, he touched that in, the, in there, there is a son that is willing to risk everything to save his life. Those are very emotional things. For a boy who had left Jesse many years ago, and all he had was this man whom he thought was taking him to another level. Yet he knew that the anointing of kingship was upon him. Are you hearing me? But we also have to ask the spirit to open our eyes to what was the state of David while all of these things were taking place. I believe that there was a place of disappointment. I believe that there was a place of, of tears and pain. 
because he was betrayed. I believe that there was a place of frustration in his heart. But you see, one thing very mistaken about David that I want to show you tonight about the man with God's heart. There is one thing that was not in David. David was disappointed. He was frustrated. He was hurt. He could flee because he wanted peace. But David was not afraid of Saul. David was not afraid of Saul. And I'll tell you why David was not afraid of Saul. When you know God a certain way, you shall not fear. Mark the word I've used, shall. The verb shall. It's a first person verb. Will can be third or fourth, second or third person. But you see, shall is a personal verb. Shall is a verb that predicts it's a futuristic verb. It's a verb that speaks of the future. But carries a premeditated command or instruction or expression of a future decision. It has to have a certain backing of a particular law in the spirit. That's why even uh, lawyers, I think, when they're writing documents, bureaucratic documents, eh, you realize you, lawyers usually don't use the buyer will. Uh -uh. They usually use the word the buyer shall. Yes, it's a futuristic verb, but it carries a place that holds a man accountable beyond choice, but mandate and command and instruction because it's already sort of in the process an agreement. Am I making sense? You see, when the Bible says you will not fear, okay, it's different from when the Bible says you shall not fear. Shall has a place of, the will will end majorly on the decision, right? And the choice. But you see, shall has more deeper than that. It has the reason. It has the command and law behind it. It has a law behind it that defines this doing, right? The Lord is my shepherd. That's the reason. I shall not want you understand? So, in the future, I shall not want. I don't expect to want. Why? Because there is there's a premeditated experience of the reason. There's a premeditated law that cannot allow me to want. He is my shepherd. <laughs> in other words, you have the reason why you're committing yourself for a future decision. Shall is not a present thing. Shall is not a past thing. Shall is a futuristic commitment. Are you following what I'm saying? But it carries a certain instruction, a sort of command, a sort of reason, a sort of backing as to why you commit yourself in this saying, as to why you position yourself in the same saying for the future. That's why you shall not want he did not say, I will not want. Because sometimes that limits a bit the, the revelation of, of the mind of why 
you will not want. So he uses the word shall, not want. You, you understand what I'm saying? That is what David speaks about in Psalms 91. He says that he that abides in the shadow, he that, when he's talking about if you abide, if you dwell in the secret place, sorry, of the most high God, you shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. He that dwelleth, you see, now, it began with the man dwelling in the secret place of the most high God, and the Bible says he shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. He's explaining the reason of the command that comes later. He's explaining the reason why he speaks boldly about his future. Are you following me? The Bible says that he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. This is a man dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. This is a man abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. And the next verse says, and I will say of the Lord, he is, you see, my refuge. He's giving the reason. And my fortress and my God, in him I will trust. He's my refuge. He understand? He's my fortress. He, the Bible says, and, and he's my God in whom I will trust. Now, the next verse says, surely, 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 not he will, he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. Why? Because he's your refuge. He's your fortress. You dwell in the shadow of his wings. You are in the presence. You are in the very form of his abiding. You are in his dwelling place. You you are there. He says, surely, 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 he shall cover. He shall, not will, he shall, he shall. That there is something that demands him to commit himself to the future of your covering. It's not a choice. This is not a place where God chooses to protect you. No, he shall protect you. There's something that holds him accountable to protect you. Why? Because he knows he's your refuge. He's your fortress. You dwell in his secret place. You abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He said, I'm your refuge. When he says, I'm your refuge, it means I shall, not I will. It's not about choice. It's about the commitment of the command I have set in the spirit that I'm your refuge. He says, I will say of the Lord, He's my refuge. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shall thou trust and his truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Shall, 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 shall. And the next verse says, thou uh -huh, shall not be afraid of the terror by night. That Those were the words Saul spoke that very night against him when he was telling Jonathan, this guy, I must be killing him. And know of the arrow that fly by day. The bad news, during that day, arrows flew. Arrows flew that day. Are you hearing me? And they were sending bad news to David, telling him, you're a gone man. The arrow is beyond thee. He's telling the Lord, the arrow is beyond thee. Now, David, David is talking about Psalms 91 verse 5. He's explaining these states in 1 Samuel 20. Those were the arrows that flew by day. The terror came by night and it said, we're going to kill you. He's going to kill him. He's gone. You understand? Maybe you might be there and they're telling you at your workplace, you're gone anytime. We are firing you. Anytime. You probably have phoned somebody and says, you know, you anytime you're gone. You, 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 you just give us a few months. We'll destroy you. We'll do this to you. We'll do that to you. Give us days. We know what to do. We know where you live. We know who your uncle is. We know your connections. If we are looking for you, we know what to do. You see, you see? 
That's a terror by night. And the arrow flew by day, telling him, it is beyond thee, meaning you're in trouble. The man is seeking your life. That was bad news. And David said, when it comes to hearing bad news, a bad report, things that are coming to befall you regarding your future from the enemy, whether physical or spiritual, yet of course all of them are of spiritual uh, uh, source. You understand? He says, this is one thing you maintain. You shall not be afraid. He didn't say, you will not. No, no. He's not commanding you, stop, don't be. No. He, he has set a command before the prevenient grace that God has given you, then in that place you'll find that you don't fear. Who is understanding? If you're understanding what I'm saying, put up your hands. Why? Because he's his refuge. He's his fortress. Who is following what I'm saying? So this arrow here represents bad news. You probably have received bad news about your future. And you don't know how next week is, how next month is. Or you probably got a report from a doctor that tells you how long or how far. You probably got news from somebody that is probably threatening your life or threatening your reputation or threatening your career or threatening your marriage or threatening, threatening. It's there, it's there, yes. And God here is not saying you will not fear. He's saying you shall not fear. That means even if you will to fear, you shall not fear. Come on, somebody. Have you ever woken up with bad news and then somehow you, you feel like you're shaking, you're worried, but then all of a, a while, there's something stronger in you. It's stronger than your fear. It's inside there. Are you hearing me? You don't have a definition for it. You didn't know how you're going to cross the next day. But the next day came. I said, but how, how come I'm still breathing? How, how come I? Because there are people who would be in the same position as you are. And they would die because of worry. And I said, but how come? I was a bit scared last evening. No, that was you willing. But God says, there's something bigger than your will. It's not I. Oh, even if you will fear, you shall not be afraid. Why? Because I'm your fortress. I'm your refuge. I am your protector. You're under the shadow. Oh, Rabando Sakata. You dwell in the secret place. What am I trying to say? The thing that God has set for your protection will override the fear in your soul. Come on, give the Lord a bigger hand clap. Yes, you can wake up one day and you don't have a coin in the pocket. You don't even know where to eat food from. You shall not fear. Yes, you can wake up and the landlord is on your door and he says, I need that money or you get out, but you shall not fear fear. You can wake up and the man gives you a divorce paper. You can wake up and then you read the worst news of you possible. You can hear things and men can say things on you and you don't even know where to begin from. But you shall not fear. Weeping indeed may endure for a night but joy, 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 joy cometh in the morning. I shall not fear. There's a command in me that causes me not to fear. There's an instruction in my spirit 
the sermons you're hearing now, they are garrisoning you. You understand? They are instructing you. The words you're hearing right now, they are placing a command in your soul. If the evil day comes, you'll find yourself that you shall not. 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 I shall not. That means even though David was disappointed, he was not afraid. Even though he was hurt, he was not afraid. He knew who he had. He knew who was on his side. This was the God that created the heaven and earth. This was God that separated the waters for the children of Israel to go through. This was the God that gave life to the dead things and called it the things that are not as though they are. He is the founder of the universe. He knows he's the present and the future. He's the first and last. He's the beginning and the end. He... Psalms 112 verse 7. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. Why? His heart is fixed and trusting in God. You see that? Again, he explains why you're not afraid. Because your heart is fixed and trusting. There has to be a reason that explains your shall. Your heart is fixed. Your thoughts are fixed. Hallelujah, somebody. Deuteronomy 3.22. You shall not, again, fear them. For the Lord your God, again, he's giving the reason. He shall fight for you. The Bible is full of reasons why. Not simply encouragement. The Bible doesn't seek to just encourage you. It is not just a positive confessor. No, it gives you the reason why. Because the Lord is fighting for you. He says you shall. That means he has commanded your spirit not to fear. That even if you get to the point where you will to fear, you decide to fear, you shall not fear. Isaiah 54 verses 14. He says, in righteousness, are you the righteousness of God in Christ? Are you the righteousness of God in Christ? Are you the righteousness of God in Christ? Can I see one of the righteousness of God in Christ? He says, in righteousness... He says, in righteousness, thou shalt be established. And thou shalt, shall, shall be far from oppression. For thou shalt, shall not fear and from terror. For it shall not come near thee. And the next verse says, behold, they shall surely gather together but not by me whosoever shall gather together against me shall fall for thy sake and behold I have created the smith that bloweth the coals in the fire that bringeth forth an instrument for his work I have created the wester to destroy no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shall condemn this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is of me come on somebody talk to the things talk to speak to the things that Bring fear to your future right now. Talk to your future. 
address the things that are creating uncertainty in your future. Talk to them and kill them now. Talk to them. Talk to them. You shall get married. You shall get another job. You shall be restored. You shall walk in divine health. You shall stand. You shall leave. You shall hold any tongue that raises against you in judgment. You shall condemn it. You shall prosper. You shall make it. You shall. You shall. Because you're with me. Because you're with me. Because you're with me. I shall not Because you're because you're with me, because you're with me, I will not feel my heart place my self-refuge my treasure Lord you are my friend my king anointed one most holy help me sing because you're with me Because you're with me. Because you're with me. Because you're with me. Because you're with me. I shall not fear. I shall not fear. Because you're in me. Because you're with me. Because you're with me. Because you're in me, because you're in me, I shall not fear, I shall not fear. My heart in place, my spirit. My treasure, Lord, you are
trouble your future and I put them in the past and decree in the mighty name of Jesus you shall not fear because victory is yours thanks be to God who causes us to triumph and maketh manifest the server of his knowledge by us in every place we are more than conquerors. God is going to trouble whatever troubles your future. It is well with you. It is well with you. If you're here and you've never given your life to Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to come and receive him as your Lord and Savior. If you're there and you say, I have not received him, repeat these words after me. Say, Jesus, tonight I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I believe that you died for my sins and were raised for my glory. Tonight, my life changes. It's committed in your hands. I will not fail. I'm a new creation. The old has passed and all things are of you. Amen. God bless you. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at UMA Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Venero, make manifest.